Hello, hello. Today's bonus content is the audio from our Ask the Once and Future Nerd live stream that we did on YouTube back on May 7th. Um, for those of you who are new, at the end of every chapter, Zach and I and some of the cast will do a live roundtable about the chapter and we'll answer fan questions that are pre-submitted on social media or submitted in the live chat on YouTube. Uh, our $12 and up patrons on Patreon also have the option to call in live with their questions uh, or if that's too socially terrifying, they can just bump their written questions to the top of the list. Um, so that's exactly what we did. This chapter, Zach and I were joined by Garrett Arman, who plays Brennan. The audio you're about to hear has been cleaned up and very lightly edited for clarity and time. Um, and if you're interested in the thought processes behind the show, um, I think you'll learn some fun stuff. But first, we're sponsored this week by Clockworks Academy from Dr. Paul Moffat. Clockworks Academy offers college-level insight without college-level cost in all the nerdiest stuff. They've got courses on, ready? Dracula, Frankenstein, Zombies, Beowulf, King Arthur, Robin Hood, The Decameron, Game of Thrones. What more could you want? Uh, there's no homework except reading, and the time requirements are flexible, which is great when you're a lifelong learner with lifelong adult responsibilities. Um, Once in Future Nerd listeners can get 10% off any purchase with code FUTUREnerd. That's clockworksacademy.com, code FUTUREnerd, one word. Again, clockworksacademy.com, code FUTUREnerd for 10% off. Also, I want to do one more quick plug for the Decolonize and Discover Festival. Um, we did a feed drop about it last week, and this is not a paid ad. Just one of the organizers is a friend of the show, and we think the festival looks dope, and it's very in line with our values, and probably with yours if you're listening to this. So I'm going to drop their trailer one more time at the end of this episode, and you can find out more at decolonizeanddiscover.com. There are early bird prices until May 31st, so if you're listening to this the day it came out. Um, you still got a couple more days. Okay, I'm going to play our conversation for you now. I'll be back one more time in the mid-roll, and then I'll see you again on June 26th for the premiere of Book 2, Chapter 8. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ask the Once and Future Nerd for Book 2, Chapter 7. Uh, I'm Zach. I'm here with Christian. Hi, Christian. Hey, guys. Um, and we might be having, uh, another one or two guests joining at some point, but for now it's the two of us flying solo and we're here to discuss chapter seven. Uh, Christian, how are you doing today? All right. How are you doing? Do doing well. Uh, excited to talk about this chapter, our first chapter back after our, uh, unfortunately long break, yeah. but we're, uh, happy to be here. So yeah, let's, let's get into it. Let's talk about this chapter. Um, do you want to, do you want to set us up a little bit about, uh, you know, tell us about the chapter a bit. Tell us your your thoughts on it. Yeah, like kind of a, a, a recap. Yeah, yeah, go for that. Yeah, so um, we ended the last chapter, chapter six, uh, with um, the party having seemingly rescued uh, Nia's parents from Relotite and her lieutenants. Um, and the last three members of the party, which were uh, Brennan, Regan, and Jen, um, about to make their getaway. Um, Regan makes a last-minute unilateral decision to go back and, and try to kill Relotite. Um, it doesn't go well. She is uh, badly injured. Um, Jen saves her at the last minute, 
And as a result uh, of all of this, they are not able to deliver uh, Ren what they had promised um, in exchange for like getaway and safe passage to the Sugarcane Isles. And so they are then forced uh, to make a choice about, because uh, only four people can now uh, be smuggled into the Sugarcane Isles. And the, a lot of the chapter is devoted to uh, A, making the choice of who um, it, that's going to be, and to kind of dealing with the the aftermath of, um, you know, um, Regan kind of kind of screwed the pooch um, on this one, made a, a unilateral decision that did not go well and uh, messed everybody else up. Um, we have the uh, return of the, of course, very much alive um, Antonin Mooncrest, who uh, returns to the... Um, the castle Guernatal uh, suspiciously quickly for someone who um, had been recovering from very bad injuries far away, allegedly, and was totally not uh, a phantom stalking around the castle the whole time. Um, and we also had uh, some further uh, developments um, of basically of, uh, of First Snow and Steady River um, of them going to go ask the Federation uh, for for help with the elf encroachment uh, on their territory. I think that's all of the extra plots. I might be forgetting something. Um, my brain is actually on chapter nine right now, so um, I might have missed something. Zach, did I did I forget anything important? No, I think I think those are the big the big points, and I, I want to talk a little bit about the Enton and stuff a little later, and a little bit about the. Uh, for snow stuff in a moment as well, but let's talk about the the main plot first. Sure. Um, I think it was a really interesting chapter in that we've had a lot of go go action for a few chapters in a row previously, and this chapter was really not as as action driven. We had a cool action scene at the beginning of of episode one, getting into the boat, but after that, it was really a almost like a, a character growth chapter in a way. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of, as you mentioned, it really was a a decision that Regan made. Uh, spoiler alerts, by the way. Um, I usually mention this at the beginning of oh, the yeah. Q&A episodes. Um, anyone new to the Once and Future Nerd, if this is the first episode you're listening to, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Now, please pause this episode, go back, listen, because we're going to be discussing the plot pretty heavily. Uh, retroactive spoiler alerts to that summary Christian just gave. But right. yeah. Um, <laughs> But so, so it really is this decision that Regan makes unilaterally that they, they had sort of escaped. They had done their, their plan. They executed it fairly well. And then uh, Regan decides that it wasn't what she wanted. So she tries to go back on her own, nearly gets herself killed. Uh, everyone goes to rescue her, nearly gets everyone else killed. And then a lot of the rest of this chapter is really just kind of regan sitting in that right like she you know for once she can't just move on to the next challenge she has to you know she's injured she's stuck on a boat she has no choice but to sort of sit there and sort of soak in that that feeling yeah i think i think that's right there's a lot of um there's a lot of sitting with discomfort uh in this one Mm -hmm. sitting with discomfort with regan but also i think a little bit with with nia and her parents as well totally 
Um, that that was that was another interesting uh, uh, change in the plot. That for the first time we really got to see Nia interacting with her parents mm-hmm. in in a way that she hasn't before. And uh, again, spoilers towards the end of the chapter, it was much more brief of an interaction than they would have liked. And I think it's interesting to see when the characters don't know that their interaction is going to be that brief, right? Like right. just seeing how they would interact in this first, after their first meeting after a long time where there's still sort of these old tensions and these old uh, frustrations occurring. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting you say that because now thinking back, um, we certainly didn't plan this ahead, um, but it was, it was a, it ended up being a really convenient chapter to have a new Nia. Um, and like we, we recast Nia for non-plot, you know, reasons. Um, and of course, I think anytime you recast, there's going to be kind of, the character is going to change a little. Like it's not, I don't think it's realistic or fair to expect two actors to play a character um, the same way. Um, and so I think it's kind of, is a lucky break that we get to see Nia in a new context that, that we haven't, seen her before um as the chapter where we have a new uh actor um because it's kind of like it allows that actor to put their own mark on the character without like oh this character just changed for for no reason you know and and um regina renee russell who's doing a great job with nia had you know she's doing a lot more of this kind of like dialect code switching than we've done before like she really leaned into that aspect of the character and i think it makes a lot of sense that we're now seeing nia interact with her parents um for long periods for for the first for the first time so that was cool i think yeah yeah definitely cool and um speaking speaking of that um the sort of Getting, getting that change in, in Nia's character, obviously with the actor as well. We also had in this chapter the arguments about who leaves to go to the Isles. And I think it's, it's interesting to uh, discuss that a little bit and to uh, reveal behind the curtain a little bit that a lot of those debates that the characters were having were kind of debates that we were having as well. We, were, we didn't go into it knowing exactly how that was going to end up. That was sort of the as as the characters were arguing it kind of was the arguments that we were having in our writers room trying to decide how how that should play out yeah that's a that's a long scene and i mean it's like almost a whole episode of just talking that scene with like 12 characters uh, or something and if i remember correctly because god this was like years literally years ago that we were first writing this chapter but i think there are if i remember there are several drafts where that goes different ways and it was a matter of like looking at those drafts and seeing which one felt right and made the most sense uh to us we did not go in um knowing it does also uh bring up that that quote from pat rothfuss that i always like bringing up because i i find it was particularly informative in this case where uh pat rothfuss shows some uh disdain for writers who just say, oh, I write what the characters would do in the situation, where he says, no, that's not as a writer, you're crafting the story actively. And it's not just enough to do what the characters would do. It would be to make the story how the story needs to go and justify it in a way that it makes sense for the characters to have done that. 
And I feel like that's something we struggled with a lot in executing this chapter in making sure not just what makes sense for the characters who goes where, but what makes sense for continuing our story in who will go where in a way that, you know, we can justify, is it reasonable that these characters would make these choices that we need them to make for plot purposes? Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, it's always tough to kind of, cause I'm very much like, I always try to leave open the possibility that, the characters will do something that surprises me or that I wasn't planning and to like follow what I think is believable. But then sometimes like if you realize that the result of that is that you've broken your plot in some way, then you, you need to go back and engineer a way for it to, to not be like that. Um, but that was a really challenging, um, that was a really challenging scene to write because it's like, again, I think it's, what would it be? It would be, not 11 characters in that scene um who all have their own motivations and character traits and two of those characters we don't know nearly as well as the other nine um so like keeping track of all of that and like staying fair and true to those characters in that argument was that was one of the hardest things i ever wrote um i think and it's funny because <laughs> i was just listening to um our, our our friends at no bad ideas their most recent episode um they were talking to uh melissa tandon about about fandom and about how as they've done more fiction writing they've become more forgiving of other fiction creators and you know there's the old complaint about like if you've got all these characters with information like you could solve the the problem if they just talked to each other um and then realizing as a writer it's like yeah but that scene sucks because it's like you're just conveying information that the audience already knows um and that was and as i was listening to this i was like yeah that was about 15 minutes of our of our show was was kind of that um and it's like yeah that's why it's hard like to keep it interesting and moving with information that the audience already knows but i don't see i don't think we could have just dot dot dotted over that decision you know it's such it's such a monumental decision that i think we had to see the characters uh like wrestling with it i i agree with that and um if anyone so we have a a live youtube stream going on for those who don't know so if anyone in the comments wants to to chime in whether you know how you felt about actually seeing that decision being made uh please feel free to chime in and thank you to everyone catching on youtube um if you're listening on audio later on we do live stream the q a at the end of each chapter so come join us for next chapter um i do want to say to be fair to us though you're you're right that you know if it's just you know pure rehashing of what the audience already knows that could get boring but in in our case i don't think to be to defend ourselves a little bit i don't think that the audience necessarily knew you know they knew sort of each individual character's motivations but i wouldn't say that they knew the discussion if that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah they didn't necessarily know how the characters would interact with each other yeah. And I, I think that, to me at least, that's why that scene was still interesting. Right. Because everyone everyone has their own ideas, but it's what happens when those ideas are confronted with opposing ideas that makes the scene interesting. Sure. Uh, YouTube chat pointing out how many characters we're keeping track of at once. <laughs> um, 
It's not easy. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we really like, you know, we, we wrote ourselves into this position, but it's a, it's a cool position to be in because I think it's really interesting to see all these different viewpoints happening. Yeah. Uh, Chad is saying um, straight up forgot about the elven medicine that uh, Gwen had. Um, yes, super so did we. Um, and we kind of tried to like hang a lampshade on it with the with the narration there, but a hundred percent we forgot about that. We're like, oh shit, we should say something about this probably. Um, but yeah, okay, is that a good? I think that's a good recap sum up. Is that a good excuse to get into some of the the submitted questions? Yeah, one one thing I just wanted to to transition us real quick as well about the. Uh, many characters and forgetting what's going on. Uh, you mentioned briefly about Antonin Mooncrest somewhat uh, suddenly returning back to the, the, the scene where he had previously left and no one really questioning it. And just to, to admit it for a moment, we, we may have slightly lost track of time and how surprising it may or should have been that he returned when he did yeah but. i think we had we had definitely made some plans based around like he fully faked his death and everyone was supposed to think that he was uh dead and um nobody granted the head priest could forget that but like nobody else seems to be reacting um to the fact that he's not dead so we may have uh written ourselves into a little bit of an oopsie there <laughs> that's okay um <laughs> Just uh, in in the, in the YouTube chat, it was asked if there were any other uh, alignments of how the parties could have split, and the answer is absolutely. Um, oh yeah. One of one of the big questions we had, uh, if it's okay for me to to spill this, Christian, but one of the biggest questions was, where is the baby going? Yeah. And this was probably eighty percent of our argument revolved around where is the baby going, and if the baby's going that way. Who has to go as well? So we we ended up splitting uh, the baby from Gwen and Arlene, and that was uh, a a very difficult split on, on for for them emotionally, but in a way for us emotionally as well. But um, so we had we had looked at all the different permutations. If the baby goes west, do Gwen and Arlene need to go west as well? If Gwen and Arlene are leaving, does the baby also need to leave? Um, is there a possibility? that Nia would stay with her parents. That was another big, you know, emotional split that was a difficult decision to reach. So uh, to answer your question, there were many different permutations that, uh, that we went through before we landed on the final, final uh, choice that you all heard about. And with that, yeah, let's, let's take that as a chance to to transition into some of the the questions we got and on... actually i've just gotten a message i think garrett armin um might be joining us in a moment garrett plays brennan um i think our first question is a is a brennan question so um this would be great if uh Garrett were we're gonna join us i guess i'll take that excuse to um to say one more thing about um splitting the party is that it definitely occurred to us that like you know i think if you try like chasing what you think the audience wants all the time you'll end up satisfying nobody um but that said we very like we do care like 
what our audience loves and gets excited about is like really useful feedback for us. And all of which is to say like, once we realized that it made the most plot sense for Arlene and Gwen to like leave the main plot, then it kind of became figuring out like, okay, but we don't want their story to be over. So how do we um, keep them involved in the story if we do this? And there's a, um, I don't want to spoil or commit to anything, but suffice it to say, like, we thought about that a lot and have some, some plans uh, for that. Yeah, we, we, were, we were very concerned about how, how the audience might take them leaving. And we also, you know, they're wonderful characters. We did not want to lose them either. So we will do everything in our power to say that this story, uh, their story, is not yet concluded. All right, so I've got Garrett in the clean feed. Um, welcome, welcome, Garrett. Um, we, are, we are glad you're here. I guess um, before we jump into the, the specific uh, user questions that we, or listener questions that we, we have, um, I guess, did you have any overall thoughts you wanted to share about <laughs> chapter seven? It was, a, it was we recorded it a while ago, but it was our first, it was our first chapter back from a long break and it was our first chapter, uh, you know, recording remotely let's start with what are your reactions to to recording remotely for the first time um i was just saying it's not as fun (laughs) obviously as being in the studio together um i miss the um you know playing with everyone in person um but we've you know i think we've made the most of it and done a done a good job i'm impressed with you guys that you've had the um fortitude and uh been able to keep going been able to keep up with everything and keep writing and i have lost all of my motivation over the pandemic i don't know about you guys but i am completely unmotivated to do anything um let alone sit here and write um for the love of writing so i'm i'm impressed that you guys are still pumping out content and um i'm glad that we kept it up even though we couldn't be together in person hopefully we will be soon yeah i'm very excited that we're back uh you know recording getting to see you all even if it's online it's better than you know the years of not seeing you all so absolutely better than nothing for sure and keep telling the story yeah um so let's let's dive right into a question we received off of tumblr from the user skinny hiker uh, who asked after the last episode how many throwing axes does brennan have left (laughs) so Brennan seems to have a never-ending supply of throwing axes, doesn't he? <laughs> I mean, maybe he. Go ahead. I was gonna say, in the past, I assume he retrieved at least some of them, but uh, uh, it's a good question. I need to like actually, yeah, I don't have the question, the answer off the top of my head. Maybe I can go look at stuff while you guys. Talk. <laughs> How many axes can you fit? Yeah, inside of a bag of axe. Um, probably he retrieved most of them. I would assume that most people on the retrieving end of one of Brennan's axes were not able to make it too far. So yeah, um, that's probably, probably true. I think we said canonically at some point he started with a dozen. I think that's I think that's right. And he gave how many did he give? Because at the end of the chapter he gifts a few that's right. to um, Arlene and Gwen. So how that's many? right. That was a very solemn gift. Yeah. Um, yeah. let's see. YouTube chat thinks it was a very sweet moment. They're, they're yes. discussing right now how, like, 
it was really for for Brennan a very like sort of like a the broadest gesture of emotion he's shown in a while. Yeah. <laughs> he was giving his heart when he gave his axe. Do you think, Garrett, that he may have had names for the axes he gave? Because I don't think we've discussed his axes having names, but we know that Regan names her swords. Right, and swords are commonly named, right? But I don't know about axes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. it's a good question, like, how disposable the throwing axes are considered. Um, chat points out, and reading the script points out, that uh, Brennan gifts four axes at the end of the chapter. I'm going to assume there's been some attrition over the course of our plot, so let's say he has somewhere between six and eight throwing axes left. That that sounds reasonable. I think that's sounds, probably, sounds good. yeah. <laughs> uh, the YouTube chat is also discussing whether either carrier pigeons or bungee cords return the axes. <laughs> I think that would be pretty hilarious visual, <laughs> an axe on a cord. A boomerang axe. Yeah. That would be pretty awesome. That would be cool. It's a good idea. I mean, but, okay, but no, because... <laughs> <laughs> because the once it hits something it does still stay there basically the same way that it would if it if it wasn't attached to any i don't know what the cord buys you i guess if you miss like you totally whiff it i mean i guess you could pull it back oh you know what though he definitely Dragon. he takes out a few elves in the fight in chapter six and he probably doesn't have time to retrie retrieve all of those i'm amending my answer to um between three and five Ooh. so he's kind of running low at this yeah point. that's a good yeah definitely but doesn't, he, doesn't he stock up when they whenever they hit a town yeah that's but, probably yeah true. he might have stocked up in armstrong guard but um it's been, I mean, yeah, they haven't been in a town since before the the, the fair or the horse race or whatever it, it was. But there must be a smithy in, in most of the yeah. places where their provisions are stocked. Yeah. This is probably not, this is technically a spoiler, but it's not really a spoiler. They hit a town at the start of chapter eight. Um, so we're just going to say that uh, Brennan stopped off and got some axes made and we're back up to 12. It's like a long rest. Or sharpened or, or whatever needed to be happening. Yeah. It's kind of like it's like going to the bathroom. It's not in the script, but it just, <laughs> it just has to happen. Happens, from, it's yeah. Brennan's exactly. bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Brennan's bathroom is the name of the, the axe shop he frequents yeah, the yeah, most yeah. often. <laughs> the off-screen smithy. Yeah. The chat is discussing if carrier pigeons were used to retrieve the axes and then just get confused and bring them to Devad instead. And <laughs> just shows up at Devad's doorstep with a pile of axes. Are they European or African carrier <laughs> yeah, pigeons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody wants Dave to come back. I also want Dave to come back. I, I will confess, Dave almost came back. I, we're... we're uh, to, to part the kimono, we're um, we're finishing up like a first draft of chapter nine right now. Dave almost came back in chapter nine, and I and it, but it ended up being too jam packed to add another 
uh, plot point. So I'm I'm definitely I'm not foreclosed on Dave coming back. I have some ideas about what he can do, but he is not confirmed back yet. And and to follow up on that, we actually had a question on Reddit from user Wooden Suit. Will we get more of Renault McGuire and the Annihilator? Um, speaking of characters who are are quite entertaining and yes. uh, not in the main plot. Uh, the short answer to that is yes. Yes. Wait, um, wait for chapter. Wait for chapter eight. I think they might be in the first. They might be in the first episode of chapter eight. Let me double check that. Yeah. Uh, so just sit tight until what is it? June twenty sixth. You'll get that your. That sounds correct. You'll get your uh, Renault and Maguire and the Annihilator. Awesome. Um. We'll go to another question from Tumblr that was asking about the the uh, the orc settlements and the size of Jordan. So compared to Earth continents, how big is Jordan, and will it still be a while before First Snow meets the gang? Um, Size-wise, that's a a question that we've kind of hand waved over a little bit. Yes. I'd say roughly ballparking it closer to Europe sized than to North America sized. Yeah. So um, here's what I know for sure. I know that there is um, more continent to the west of the mountains than there is to the east of the mountains because the continent to the east of the mountains is is limited on both sides by um, the ocean and the mountains. And we know it's like a week or so's ride from the ocean to the mountains. So we know about how big that is. And on the other side of the mountain, we haven't thus limited ourselves. So on the west of the mountains is as big as we as the story needs it to be. Um, and then north and south, we know that it is uh, just big enough that you can have a uh, like tundra in the south and a tropics in the north. Yes. And to answer the second half of the question about uh, how long will it be before First Snow meets the gang, I'll say, uh, don't want to give any spoils, but it would be uh, pretty poor storytelling if it never occurred. So uh, fair to say that that will happen at some point. Yeah. Um, is that a good point, actually? Um, we're not going to take a break now, but for the podcast version of this, we will take a break for some ads. So I'm going to say that now, and then we'll be back. You know what? Let's preview the next question, and then we'll be back for the next question after a break. So the next question we got are, what are the party's favorite colors, and why do they like those questions? Sorry, why do they like those colors? Okay, great. So we're going to come back to that after this break. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Uh, before I got into therapy, I often felt like my worries were, you know, too big for me to wrap my head around by myself. Um, and I found it really helpful to get perspective from a trained professional. 
BetterHelp can assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an awkward waiting room again. Visit betterhelp.com slash T-O-A-F-N. That's better H-E-L-P. And join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Once and Future Nerd listeners can get 10% off their first month by using our link. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash T-O-A-F-N. Okay. Uh, favorite. I totally bungled that that read in the break. <laughs> it's fine. I'm I'm gonna. Don't worry. I'm gonna bungle the ad when we get to that too. So, it's it's fine. This will continue to be a <laughs> a prod, a podcast that's only kind of half heartedly for profit. Um, all right. Yeah. Favorite colors, huh? I think that Billy at least at the start of things was probably the the type of person who unironically liked his football team's colors because he was so into his football team that he thought they were the best colors. Yeah, which I believe we've established are crimson Red and, and gold. Gold, yeah. Um I feel like Jen would be the exact opposite. Yeah. We know Brennan likes blue and gold cuz those are Guernatal colors. Right, for kind of the same reason. It's now my my brain is spinning because I'm really thinking like we're we're favorite colors a thing in a pre modern society. They may have been more so because certain dyes were like really really hard to come by. Like that's true. Like blue is a color of so many like royal royal houses and royal families because in Europe at least for a long time like blues and purples were very like things that could dye stuff blue and purple were very hard to come by. Um, but on the flip side, our our magic system would certainly allow for color changing magic to occur. True. But it's well, it's kind of a chicken and egg, right? Because you have to you have to know the color to think, oh, that would look good in that. <laughs> color. You know what I mean? Like that is true. Like there's that famous bit of the Odyssey where it, the you know the wine dark sea, and everybody's like, what what the hell are you talking about? Like that's not the color that water is. But some people who study ancient Greek think there wasn't a word for blue in ancient Greek, and so because they didn't have that word, it's just like, oh yeah, the ocean's the color of wine. Or they just had, they had blue grapes and we don't have them. That's anymore. also possible. <laughs> I thought this was going to be a real silly softball question, and it's kind of not. <laughs> it's the hardest question ever. Yeah. I was definitely going to say red for Brennan, no question. You think? Because <laughs> he's oh, wow. a murderer? Yeah, just because he, he enjoys blood. Does he enjoy blood? Wow. Yeah, he might. Shit, he I think, might. I think you, you have to to be that good at something. Yeah. I think actually, I think that, um, this is sweet. I think that Arlene, like red, there's some, like the red more colors are some sort of like crimson. Um, 
And I think Arlene, obviously, for like for a long time, hated Crimson because she hated anything to do with her family. But then Gwen wore a lot of Crimson just because that's where she was working. And then and so recently, Arlene has come back around to loving Crimson, but kind of only when when Gwen wears it. That's nice. Yeah. What what would Regan even? How would she even respond to being asked, "What is your favorite color?" <laughs> that's that's a good question. Like, I mean, it's probably it's like keep asking and find out why it's red, or something like that. I would be so scared to even ask her. <laughs> Either that or like a, like, what do you mean favorite color? Color doesn't do anything for me. It's not stealing me money or killing me anyone. So why do I care? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that it's like, I think Regan is closed off. Leah, like, this, uh, not to make it too heavy again, but like, I think Regan is closed off to her own humanity in, in a lot of, a lot of ways. Um, and it, it reminds me of that. Like, there's that really nice scene between uh, Brennan and Regan in this chapter where she's, like, she's maybe starting to have the insight of, like, am I blaming myself for things that aren't my fault? Or, like, am I... Like, is my brain fucked up? Like, <laughs> like she's starting to have that, you know, that kind of insight. And... um you know, asking Brennan, like, did did you blame yourself? Like, do you think it should have been you who died instead of your dad? And Brennan, like, without even thinking twice about it, is like, yeah, of course. All right, what's now moving on to the next question? Can I go to sleep now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that being a moment for for um, for Regan to be like, wow, okay, I don't, I don't want to be like that so maybe this is the color question is a good jumping off point to ask you garrett your reactions to that scene i've i always feel like he's sort of not the straight man for her but he's like her sounding board right Mm. it's always like you're the queen (laughs) yeah all i can do is listen i'm not exactly gonna you know make the decision here but i'll tell you what i think i'm not gonna lie to you so she's you know he's definitely the one who she bounces stuff off of to see because he's not a yes man. Right. He's, he's always going to say what he thinks about stuff, but, um, yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting. That's a good point. Like he's super loyal, but he's not a, a yes man. And I think that's an interesting distinction. Right. I mean, he's doing it for her, but not really for her. Right. It's for the greater good because he believes that she's the one. Yeah. So that's what he has to do. It's not, it's like, it's not even a question for him. Yeah. He doesn't have very many moral, like, conundrums, I feel like. It's rare when he doesn't know which side of the fence he's on. Yeah. I took that scene maybe a slightly different way than what you were just saying about how, you know, the fact that without a pause, he says, you know, yes, of course, I think about it every day. I saw it more as like, Regan realizing that she's not the only one that struggles with things like like a moment of like it never occurred to her that other people would feel the same sort of pain that she feels right and or it, be able to hide it or, mm-hmm. yeah or that he could feel that even 
<laughs> or someone else, yeah. Yeah, as we said before, he doesn't show that level of pain uh, openly that often. So I think I think so many so many ways that 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 scene like could be could be seen. I think uh, the YouTube chat, by the way, uh, very very complimentary of of your performance in that scene. So as always, great job. Yeah. That was, I think that was a hard scene for you guys to have to do, you know, remote for the f- first time. But you, you and Anya both knocked it out of the park, in my opinion. Well, yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> Chat says, "Yeah, like Jen's out here feeling all this pain about eating cheesy bread at two in the morning." Really makes you think. It's hard, hard to argue with that. Yeah. Um, back to colors. Do we think, um, I feel like Yellowine would like the, the opalescent, like shimmery elf color, Mm. but that might be a gimme though. That might be an easy one. Yeah. Green. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he sure does wear a lot of green. Red, red. I'm not so sure. (laughs) Who can say? (laughs) Who can say? Really, really no way of knowing. Um, speaking of which, I'm going to take this opportunity for a moment to shout out, speaking of Red Wren, um, we have our exclusive artwork for the chapter, um, as always, made by our fantastic artist, John Flanagan. Um, I'm going to flash it up on the the waiting scene for those watching live on YouTube, but it's a beautiful piece of art uh, featuring the Red Reaver and the the... Uh, rowboat dinghy sort of uh, being paddled away with the four silhouettes in it and uh, once again just John also an amazing job as always with the art yeah I don't I I know it's like I don't know maybe this is maybe this is obvious to other people but it's really hard to get those reflections on the water looking real in a drawing Uh, this is really impressive work yeah, and I I will say that I've I've cropped it for YouTube slightly to make it fit better, but the uh patrons not to be a shill, but patrons will receive either a digital or a physical sticker of the full artwork that has just it's a in uh portrait orientation and so the the reflections on the water just go for miles and miles. Hey, so uh chat now is actually if you want to get your like really silly questions in, now would be a Great opportunity, actually. Just throw that out there. Um, what else? Uh, what else should we talk about internally here? Um, I guess it's kind of hard to talk. You know, I'm always interested, like what people are excited for. But since we're always a chapter or so ahead, it's kind of hard to do without spoilers. Um, yeah, I guess I will say here. Um, we are on our new schedule of posting episodes. So chapter eight is like, it's good to go. We're, we're, you know, excited to start releasing chapter eight starting immediately next month and on the one a month schedule through then and knock on wood, hopefully chapter nine will be ready to go right after that. That timeline will be a little tighter, but I think we can uh, achieve it. So I'm I'm excited for that. Uh, from from the chat, the live chat, uh, when we wrote Jen stealing the statue, did we already have firm ideas regarding how it would come into play, or was it just something fun we figured would be useful eventually when we needed it? 
Yeah, I think I just, um, you know, I knew like, oh, there's a good, there's a good uh, MacGuffin uh, that we can, we can use. Um, and like, let me remember to actually use this one sooner rather than later instead of the, uh, the elf medicine with that, that everybody forgot about. Uh, I think, I think we knew well enough that it was going to be a problem. The specific nature of the problem or how they would use it was, was left to be seen, but we were definitely like, okay, this is going to throw a wrench in the works somehow, that, and this will give us a hook for later on. Right, that this is like too valuable to the point that it's dangerous. Uh, we got a question, what did Brennan think was happening between Arlene and Gwen? <laughs> <laughs> um, he just didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great question. I mean, like, I think to some extent there's some, there's some plausible cover. Like, I think that, you know, a... A lady and her handmaiden would have just spent a lot of time together and like it actually like I think at some points in medieval history it would not it would not even have been seemed necessarily sexual for them to share a bed um like literally just like body warmth um so I think there is some plausible cover there but yeah I think um yeah, Brennan is maybe also just a little ab- unusually closed off to matters of the heart. Yeah. If Antonin is Batman Hamlet, can he get a Robin? <laughs> Again, not foreclosed to the idea of him getting a Robin. Uh, I can't lie and say we have specific plans uh, up to this point, but uh, yeah, maybe. Although, is his role as Batman disappearing now that he's sort of gone legit again? Now that he's alive. Unless it needs to come back. That would be interesting. Or unless he needs to, like, he needs to be the, like, the legitimate version. And then he need, he has to, like, get a Robin to be the, the spirit of vengeance in kind of a good ghost, bad ghost scenario. <laughs> Good king, bad ghost. That's kind of funny. (laughs) I don't even know if we have a character who the Robin could be, other than the high priest, which would be the funniest (laughs) Robin imaginable. Or Dave. Dave, I was just going to say. (laughs) There you go. That's how you bring him back. That would would be pretty hilarious. (laughs) Dave, Dave is so funny. Dave's a good character. Dave is one of my favorite characters. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, and it's true. We do need to to like reveal more of the plot of uh, Duel of Crones or whatever we called it. Uh, Chad is asking about Jen's preferred pizza chain and whether she and Billy agree or if it's limited by what's around. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's definitely. I don't want to be too much of a pizza snob. Let's see. I think there is where they live. There's an actually like a good like mom and pop pizza chain or not chain, but like a good pizza place um, that is struggling. Um, We've established they have a Domino's. Does does Wawa go that far north? I know it's not a pizza place, but Pennsylvania people love their Wawa. Yeah, but. Can you get can you get pizza? Even I don't know if even like Wawa stands 
say the pizza is good at Wawa. You know what I mean? Like it's mostly the the sandwiches, yeah. Yeah, but would would Billy be like, why bother getting pizza when you can get a Wawa sandwich? Yeah, but everybody wants pizza sometimes. That's true. It's a universal fact. We've est- oh man, <laughs> we've established that Domino's is there, right? Um, and is Domino like? Okay, this is this has nothing to do with anything, but. I think that bad pizza is its own genre of food. I'm 100% on this boat, too. Like, sometimes you want pizza, and then sometimes you want bad pizza, which includes, like, Domino's, Pizza Hut, Papa John's. And of those... Of those, I think Domino's is the best. Like, all considered. Like... We know the we know the dark forces that control Papa John's. We don't yet know the dark forces that control Domino's. And it is better than Pizza Hut. Yeah, I mean issues aside, that garlic sauce is really good. Yeah. <laughs> I kinda like the garlic, the garlic sauce, sauce at Papa John's. Yeah, the garlic sauce is good. Now, now we're just talking about pizza. We're no that, longer talking about the podcast. Maybe that's the argument. Maybe before they went to Jordan, maybe that that Billy is like Papa John's is better, and Jen is like, yeah, but you can't like the CEO said the N word in a diversity call. Like we can't get Papa John's, and like that's the the disagreement. And Goya Wait, beans, they're not buying yeah. any Goya. <laughs> Was this all, had this come to light at the time that, like, it is canonically in the show? Yeah, that's a great question, because the show started, yeah, that is a terrific, I think about that all the time, because, like, canonically. In the real world before yeah, they transported. Canonically, they right, they left our world in, like, 2012. Um, a lot has changed. Yeah. A lot has changed. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah, they yeah they left they fuck they left the, the our world in Obama's first term, um, and I don't know if we're I don't know if because like f- a month or two have passed in plot time. We talk about we talk about this all the time. Um. Uh. So. Is that right? Only a couple months. Yeah, it's only a couple months. Somebody made a timeline. Um. Somebody, they shared it with me on Reddit. They, there's like a, a, a fandom wiki that includes a timeline of everything that happened. Yeah, and it's like it's like a month or two. Yeah, <laughs> all of them should be saying YOLO. Thank you, chat. Um, yeah, no, it's totally. Uh, it's, yeah, it is technically a period piece. Chat also mentions about whether there's pizza in Jordan or if introducing pizza is how Billy shatters space-time. I will say, I don't want to spoil too much, but we were writing a scene for chapter 9 where with some, some introductions of new foods, and it is one of the most fun scenes we've had. Yeah, I mean, the short answer is there is not, there can't be pizza yet east of the mountains because... Um, uh, we're, we, we've tried to limit 
east of the mountains to old world crops. So there's no tomatoes there. So there's no marinara sauce. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, there is a scene in chapter nine about introducing some, um, uh, some, uh, some new, some quote, new world crops, uh, onto, uh, into the, the story. Um, let's see. Okay, we've talked about pizza for too long. There's actually a yeah, lot of There's a more questions. serious question if we want to talk about who in the party is Yuluween closest to, um, because everyone else is kind of doing their found family thing and he's just kind of there. I think that's a really interesting question because I think we... Uh, another, another thing that we sort of struggled with was sort of how to uh, handle Yuluween's contriteness at the like early stages of book two, I think prior to that, it probably would have been Brennan. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he still has the, um, (laughs) sorry, I got to stop reading chat for a moment. So I can pay attention to the question. (laughs) Um, I, I, (laughs) all of them are really into how I met your mother. Fuck. What a time. Um, what was the fucking question? Yellowine. Oh, he's yeah. Close with. Right. So he definitely had, like, he spent the most time with Brennan before the plot started. So I think there's a kinship there. Um, I think maybe now, like, I think the way Nia is, like, she's just kind of a very loving person and so i think there may be a sort of like gravitating towards nia just as a matter of like this is a like this is the person who's going to be nicest to me right now um yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean i, I think, think yellowing is a little bit isolated just at this moment in the plot yeah, and he definitely became more isolated after the whole, like, getting chased out of the camp and then getting chased away from home. And he's probably, if the the plot pacing is so fast-paced that sometimes there's not enough time to sort of dive into these things, but he's probably due for some, like, you know, character development or relationship development-focused episodes. Yeah, for sure. Um, There's a music question in chat, so... You know, I need to jump on that. Um, yeah, what kind of music does Jen have on her iPhone? And can she still use the camera and flashlight and stuff? Yeah, I mean, she, we've definitely, she can definitely use, as long as she's got battery, which she now is a battery, um, she definitely can use like the other, like the tool functions of the iPhone. Um, I, I know, uh, yeah, she's definitely got like a few of the best pop hits of 2012. Uh, for sure. Um, I think she's also like, she's got the like pump up mix for the, the football games. Like it's the type of thing where like she gives somebody her phone and they plug it into the, to the PA and that's the like pep rally mix. Um, so there's definitely some like jock jams and like, arena butt rock on there um and she also definitely um there's her dad's tape that like so her dad gave her a 
I think her dad gave her, left her a cassette when she was very young at some, like, I'm realizing now that she has entirely passed, like, she aged entirely past the CD age. So I think at some point she, like, sent, she had the tape, like, digitized. Um, and that's now on her phone. And it sounds like dog shit because it's a cassette tape you know, ripped to 128 kilobit per second MP3, but that's like her dad's music that she has. And I think, well, because she she hadn't listened to it for a while, right? It took her a while to actually listen to it. That's right. But I kind of imagine that she has like other music that she was just exposed to from her dad that like, not that specific mixtape, but she has like a classic rock streak. Yeah. She probably does that. And there's definitely, so yeah, there's some, there's some ACDC on the, the pump up mix. Um, but yeah, um, now I think, sorry, I think it. Kat's list is also like, yep. Taylor Swift, Lana Del Rey, <laughs> Justin Bieber, Kesha, Lord, Carly Rae Jepsen. It's all on there. All the hits of 2012. I now kind of really want to see like a mini series. That's like a, almost like a game show that's Billy and Jen playing our music for Brennan and Yellowweed, <laughs> and then just having Nelson sitting on the sides making wisecracks. Yeah, that's just an like, expensive show, though, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't mean to actually make it. I mean just to imagine it. <laughs> no, it's good, yeah. It's good to imagine. Like, what, what would cause the biggest reaction from Brennan? Like... Play play Brennan some Dragon Force or something. <laughs> He'd probably dig it. Yeah. It, it's occurring to me that we have established some parallels between like elf pop music and like our pop music. So it's conceivable at least that Yellowween like he has had the experience of not liking the same music as his sister. So I think maybe like arguing about pop music is maybe more is it's it's less alien to Yellowween than it is to Brennan. That makes sense. But they wouldn't have so I guess on the Yordic side of the mountains they wouldn't have audio recordings it would all be live performances. But on First Snow's side, if they have telegraphs, yeah, audio they could, recording's not that far off. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is an entertaining line of questions. Yeah. Thank you for asking yeah. this. I like this. Um, we're, we're now approaching an hour of stream time, so I think it, uh, it might be about time to, to wrap us up. Uh, Yarrett, do you have any last thoughts you want to close on? anything about this chapter or the upcoming chapters without spoiling too much <laughs> i'm afraid to say anything <laughs> i i uh thank you all for listening it's awesome that um this show has an audience because without an audience it's not a show so it's really awesome and thank you guys um and thank you guys for having me on here and i'm sorry again that i was late <laughs> but i'm always Sorry. honored to to uh you know, be a part of this thing. It's really been, I mean, it ha I was just thinking, we're talking about 2012, 
my 10 year old daughter probably you saw walk by she was born when this thing started so oh, it's wow. been awesome to to be doing this with you guys for so long yeah every time i start to like lose track of um how long we've been doing this and how intimidating it is i always like think about how old is garrett's kid <laughs> like, <laughs> she's dead <laughs> it's a milestone yeah. you know, the yard marker for sure yeah no we're coming up on nine years of releasing episodes this september that's awesome that's wild yeah it is wild do you have anything garrett that you uh, want to plug any other projects going on you want to talk about while you're here no not right now i'm good <laughs> thank you for asking though awesome I appreciate it. <laughs> um christian do you have anything you want to plug any any shows you've been listening to that you really like that you want to mention uh, oof, a I didn't mean to spring that on you at the last minute. I'm sorry. Where do I want to? Hang on. I'm gonna I overcast.fm. What is my podcast list? Who do I want to plug? Um I've been listening to a uh like a medieval history podcast called Um We're Not So Different. Um, which is really I mean it's real it's kind of like it's mostly a medieval history podcast with like someone who has a PhD in that uh, in that sort of thing. Um, but it's also like uh, um, what's it called? Um, they, they just spent twenty five episodes, so half a year, uh, kind of doing like the entire history of um, uh, uh, of, of the world. Um, through the lens of uh, historical materialism, so it's it's a pretty it's a it's a left leaning history podcast, which has been um, like I I never really dived into that from a history perspective, uh, so that's that's been cool. Um, yeah, check that out because I think a lot of people uh, who listen to our show um, are definitely interested in like someone who knows what they're talking about talk about um, the Middle Ages. Um, so that's my plug, and then uh, yeah, we're coming back. Um, we'll have um. We have a mini sodes. So if you're watching the live stream, we have mini sodes coming um, this coming uh, Sunday, the 15th of May. Uh, if you're listening to this uh, as the podcast, that will have already passed. Uh, but then we have uh, chapter eight pr premiering on June 26th. And um, yeah, the stuff we got coming up, I'm, I'm really, really excited for it. There's, there's some very exciting things coming up. So, uh, as Garrett said earlier, thank you, all of our listeners. It's so uh, uh, sort of indescribable that you're all sticking here with us. And I'm so happy you're here. And I'm excited for you all to hear what's coming up next. It's really uh, the stories. I, I think we're still improving as we go. And I'm, I'm very excited to release the next episode. And with that, uh, I think that wraps up the Ask the Once and Future Nerd for Book 2, Chapter 7. Uh, thank you all for listening. Enjoy Chapter 8 upcoming. And... We'll talk to you for the Q&A session at the end of chapter eight. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Calling all nerds. We're creating an accessible festival made for us. Black, indigenous, people of color, and the rainbow community into LARP, gaming, magic, and more. 
We'll have live music, panels, vendors, and space for you to camp out so you don't miss any of the three-day weekend of fun. Tickets are available now. Go to decolonizeanddiscover.com. We're taking back the nerd space, y'all. 